0: I'm Jay Goldberg, and I'm Franco Terrazano. and this is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. Here, we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into Aaron O'Toole's new carbon tax scheme. And in Waste Watch, we'll talk about how Vancouver spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a lavish loo. It's actually impressive how much money they managed to spend, so definitely stay tuned for that. But first, let's talk about all the new taxes included in this year's federal budget. If you thought the Liberals were great at getting creative in new ways to hammer taxpayers with higher taxes, this budget definitely takes it to a whole new level. Franco, tell us about some of the new taxes in Finance Minister Christian Freeland's 2021 budget.
1: Well, Jay, if you like to drive your car, if you like to heat your home during the winter, and if you like to enjoy a cold one on a nice sunny Saturday your taxes are going up. And, and let's remember Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he told us a few months ago that Canadians didn't need higher taxes or costs during the middle of the pandemic, but that's exactly what he's given us.
2: So will taxes be going up then?
0: No. Uh, the last thing Canadians need uh, is to see a raise in taxes right now. Millions of Canadians are out of work and looking for work. The economy is still uh, nowhere near uh, where we need it to be. Uh, We have work to do and we are not going to be saddling Canadians with extra costs. Well, that seemed pretty cut and dry to me. Canadians definitely don't need new taxes.
1: Yeah, and despite that promise from Trudeau, his 2021 budget introduces a raft of new taxes and tax hikes, including higher tobacco taxes, a vaping tax, a sales tax for our digital services, a so-called luxury goods tax, and a tax on foreigners who own vacant homes in Canada. So even though we are in a pandemic, and even though Trudeau promised not to raise taxes, the budget, 2021, continues to nickel and dime Canadians.
0: Let's break this down a little further. Why don't you... Tell us about this brand new, very creative, so-called luxury tax.
1: Yeah, I can hear you just dripping with sarcasm there. Well, including this budget, as you mentioned, is a tax on cars and private planes. So if you're going to be buying a car or a plane that's over $100,000, you're going to get taxed on that. And if you're going to be buying a boat that's more than $250,000, well, guess what, folks? Yep, you're going to get taxed on that too.
0: And folks, this is only going to bring in a little more than $100 million per year for the federal government. And the important context is that Trudeau is going to spend about $500 billion this year. So this new luxury tax, it's going to cover just a couple hours of Trudeau spending. This isn't the government being serious about a debt problem. If Trudeau and Freeland were serious about our debt problem here in Canada, they wouldn't be increasing permanent government spending by $100 billion over just a few years. Instead of making it more expensive for Canadians to buy cars, they need to save money, like everybody else has done during this pandemic. This is just silly political posturing.
1: Well, you know, it's actually worse than just a silly policy because it can cause a lot of pain. And you know, soak the rich may make for a good sounding campaign slogan, but these taxes don't just hurt the well off. Now, workers in these industries can also feel the pain as well. And that's something that we learn from the context and the historical experience of our friends down south. When President George H.W. Bush, he brought in a luxury tax on these swanky goods, including on yachts, expensive cars, uh, luxury planes, jewelry, and furs, But the problem was the luxury tax soon destroyed thousands of jobs in the yacht industry, hundreds of jobs in the jewelry business, and more than 1,000 jobs in in aircraft manufacturing. And that's according to the U.S. Joint Committee on Taxation. Now, these lost jobs also cost the government and therefore taxpayers more than $20 million of income tax revenue and, and cost the Treasury millions more in unemployment compensation and that was only for the first year of the tax. Now because of this devastation within a few years the Bush administration repealed the luxury taxes with also including bipartisan support. Now I think this is a good lesson that we can all learn from the U.S. experience. The lesson is that there's a lot of people who can get hurt from a tax right like middle-class workers and not just who the government wants to actually be paying
0: the tax. That's a really good point. I know that you mentioned that there's a tax on vacant homes owned by foreigners. What are you making of that?
1: Well, on this tax, we we first have to remember that it's not even going to put a dent into the debt tab. And and as you mentioned before, we we need to see the government actually get serious about its spending problem to get this $1 trillion debt tab under control. But here's here's what an economist of TD Bank Group, James Marble, said about this tax, quote, I don't think it's going to really do much in terms of changing affordability, It's purely political to show that they're doing something, end quote. And also watch out, watch out. Once the federal government starts collecting information about how private property is being used and whether it is being used enough, according to the government, Canadians could be next, right? The next step could end up being the government taxing Canadian citizens who own second homes, who own investment homes,
0: or even cottages. Franco, this could also open the door to this home equity tax that we've been hearing a lot of rumblings about in the last several months. Uh, and as we know, a home equity tax would take big chunks of the proceeds when families sell their homes. That would leave them with less to buy a new home or provide for their retirement. It's important for the government to remember that a lot of people, just like my grandparents, depended on the sale of their home for their retirement. And Franco, the new taxes in budget 2021 come on top of tax hikes Trudeau has already hammered us with during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's right. I mean, we, we've already been hammered by two Trudeau carbon tax hikes during the COVID-19 pandemic. Trudeau has also announced that he's going to be massively increasing his carbon tax to $170 per ton, and he's also announced a second carbon tax on top of that. So all said and done, by 2030, a family will be soaked for about an extra 40 bucks at the gas pumps and Trudeau carbon taxes every time they fill up their minivan. And uh, boost taxes. Boost taxes have also gone up every year on April 1st. and you know taxes already account for about half of the price of beer, about 65% of the price of wine, and more than three quarters of the price of spirits.
0: And that boost tax escalator, it, it's just there to allow politicians to duck accountability. Instead of them having to vote on these tax hikes every year, The government gets to increase its tax take automatically every year because the booze taxes just go automatically up and up and up and up. Yeah, you know all
1: the tax hikes that we've been talking about. It's 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 clearly disappointing. It's clearly a broken promise from the Trudeau government. But you know what else is really disappointing is is what we didn't see in the budget. Right, this would have been a perfect time. For the Trudeau government to actually lower taxes. Economic recovery is on all of Canadians' minds right now. Well, guess what? Letting families keep more of our own money in our own pockets so that we have more to spend at local shops would have gone a long way in helping the recovery. Also, letting business owners keep more of their own money so that they can reinvest in their operations so that they can get their employees back to work would have gone, again, a long way in helping economic recovery. And and just letting people keep more of their own money is the fastest fastest and easiest way governments can help Canadians, especially when the average family loses about
0: 45% of their budget to taxes. Well, Franco, thanks for shining a light on all of these new taxes. Just remember, folks, we have a $1 trillion federal debt tab. We shouldn't kid ourselves either. If the feds don't figure out a way to rein in all of this insane spending, all this debt will turn into even more tax hikes down the road. That's why we need an all-hands-on-deck approach to stop this dive into debt. You can help us push back by signing some petitions at taxpayer.com. We will link to our no-home equity petition and our Stop Trudeau's Debt Dive petition in the show's notes.
2: It's time for Deep Dive. I'm Todd McKay, and uh, this is the part of the show where we jump below the surface, get get a little deeper into some policy issues, and man we've got a huge crater of an issue here because Aaron O'Toole, the conservative party leader dropped an absolute bomb. Instead of fighting carbon taxes, he's on team carbon tax. Now he's got his own carbon tax plan and we've got to get deeper into that policy because of course it touches everything. We've got our federal director here, Franco Terzano. He's just taking over the federal gig, doing a great job already. But he's diving all the way into this thing to figure out uh, what the finer parts are. So Franco, what uh, does know, tools, bombshell, carbon tax plan, uh, mean for taxpayers? Well, Todd, I mean, first, there was a ton in this uh, environment plan from
1: O'Toole and the Conservatives, but you got to start with O'Toole's flip-flop on the carbon tax, right? Because for years now, for years, O'Toole has been rightly bashing carbon taxes. I mean, he's been speaking out about carbon taxes and how they impact our economy's competitiveness. And he's also been talking about how carbon taxes drive up the cost of living across the board. And let's not forget, when he was running for leadership for the Conservative Party of Canada, he stood with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He stood right beside us and he signed our pledge to keep fighting carbon taxes. Now here's what he said just before signing that pledge. I actually have a plan to scrap the tax, so I'm happy to sign this right away. It's been my position consistently and to work with the provinces and collaborate on their plans to get emissions down over time and to work on sectors like transportation and others where we can find more efficient cost-saving ways that actually reduce emissions. I've been talking about this for several years, the only candidate in this race that has a detailed plan on how to do it and how to get pipelines built and our uh, country's economy back on track. So
2: I have the blue pen. Absolutely. Do the honors. Yes, please do. So that's pretty clear. Those are Aaron O'Toole's own words. We can judge him by what he says. He's now trying to pretend that somehow this isn't a tax you know, I'd like to read to you uh, what Rex Murphy said about that idea in the National Post. Here's what Rex said. Now, in historical terms, whenever a government forces citizens to pay more for something, the world and in all of its dictionaries have called that action taxation. Listen, Rex Murphy isn't buying what O'Toole selling, neither the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. This is a tax. He can call it whatever he wants, but this is a tax. And just to be very, very clear, he promised to fight a carbon tax, not to advocate for one. So I'd like to read you the pledge that he signed. Here's what it says. I, Aaron O'Toole, promised that if elected prime minister of Canada, I will immediately repeal the Trudeau carbon tax and reject any future national carbon tax or cap and trade scheme. So there it is in black and white. There's no wiggle room there. There's no uh, carbon tax by a different name. He, if he goes forward with this policy, he is breaking his promise. There's just really no other way to put it. Yeah, no kidding, man. And I tell you, let me tell
1: you about a little, my little Sunday fun day I had with a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right, we went to Costco. We we got some shopping and doing the respectable adult stuff, and then we hit up the Costco's gas station. And we filled up her Honda Accord. And let me tell you, that was expensive. And there is no way that we have any extra money lying around to be uh, paying for O'Toole's carbon tax. But guess what? O'Toole's carbon tax is going to cost us a pretty, a pretty penny, right? O'Toole's carbon tax is going to end up costing us about 11 cents per liter of gasoline at the pumps. Now, O'Toole said he was going to cap his carbon tax at $50 per ton, which is higher than the current damaging carbon tax, but it is less than what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau plans to increase it by 2030. But here's the thing. Why should we believe O'Toole when he says he's not going to increase his carbon tax beyond $50 per ton? Why should we believe him? I mean, he just flip-flopped. He told us for years that he was going to fight the carbon tax, and now he's saying he's going to impose a carbon tax. So why should Canadians believe Mr. O'Toole when he's talking about
2: carbon taxes anymore? Yeah, O'Toole's basically saying, "Uh, trust me. Trust me. Don't worry. I won't raise it. Uh, But man, you just broke the pledge you signed. Now's not really a good time to say, trust me. Okay, but here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we've been very consistent about this. We have fought carbon taxes all the way along. In fact, we were the only non-government organization who fought the carbon tax in court all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. We're going to keep fighting Trudeau's carbon tax. While we're at it, I guess we're going to be fighting O'Toole's carbon tax. That's how it's going to go here. But there's more to this. It's not just the carbon tax that you see at the, at the pump when you're filling up your, your Honda Accord. Yeah, just wait till you've got a Dodge Caravan, man. <laughs> the story's not going to get better for you. But in any case, there are more costs buried down inside, uh, inside O'Toole's plan. Tell us about those.
1: Yeah, well, let's take a little, little trip back to, to memory lane here. I mean, back in December, right before Christmas, Trudeau announced that he was going to massively hike his carbon tax. But it gets worse because he also announced plans to impose a second carbon tax through fuel regulations. So Merry Christmas to taxpayers indeed. Uh, now through these regulations, Trudeau is going to require companies to reduce the carbon content of their fuels. And if they can't meet Trudeau's requirements, then they're going to have to pay Trudeau's second carbon tax. But this second carbon tax isn't just going to hurt the big guys. No, 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 no. You know, all Canadians are going to feel the pain of Trudeau's second carbon tax when we're at the pumps. Now, unfortunately, O'Toole is also going to impose a second carbon tax. Yep, not just a first carbon tax. He's also going to impose a second carbon tax. Now, he says he's going to modify it to follow British Columbia's model, but that's still going to come with a hefty price tag.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in general, if you're following BC's uh, taxation policies, usually you're not going to be saving taxpayers money. So, okay, you've gone through the structure of it. What kind of bill are you looking at uh, on the second carbon tax from O'Toole?
1: Yeah, no kidding. You know, I don't think any good campaign slogan would be BC gas prices coming to a town near you. And that's because BC's second carbon tax adds about 14 cents per liter to the price of gas and just over 15 cents per liter to the price of diesel. So with both of the tools, carbon taxes, a family is going to get soaked for about an extra 19 bucks in carbon taxes just to fill their minivan, Todd. So watch out. And a pickup truck, Well, a driver of a pickup truck would be dinged for about 30 bucks in O'Toole carbon taxes for every fill-up. Now, so if you're going to fill up your minivan, let's say once a week and a pickup truck twice a month, well, that's going to cost your family about $1,700 per year, which is about two months worth of groceries for a family of four. Yeah.
2: And here's the thing about this. It's not like O'Toole doesn't know this. He knows it. And we know he knows it because that's what he used to say. Check out what O'Toole said about these costs back in 2018.
1: Why do I have concerns about a carbon tax? Two reasons. First, affordability. Families, people on fixed incomes like our seniors, they don't have more coming in, yet they see costs going up. The carbon tax adds to that, raises the costs of everything.
2: So this is the really frustrating thing. It's one thing when a guy doesn't know better. It's another thing when a guy knows better and he's doing the dumb thing anyway. That's what we're seeing with uh, O'Toole pushing forward with a carbon tax of his own.
1: And man, I hate to be the bearer of even more bad news here, but I gotta, because it doesn't stop with O'Toole's first carbon tax, and it doesn't stop with O'Toole's second carbon tax. In O'Toole's, let's call it, Green Book, it says his conservative government would consider quote, the potential for introducing new taxes on frequent flyers and on electric luxury vehicles and second homes to deter activities that hurt the environment, end quote. Did you hear that, folks? New taxes when you fly, new taxes on your car, and if you have a second home, well, you can get taxed on that as well. Now, I have a question for all of our listeners. How will the government taxing your home save the environment? (laughs) To me, it just sounds like it's just going to fatten the government's already fat coffers, and there's more. That's because O'Toole said he would study imposing carbon border tariffs, which would raise prices for Canadian consumers and it's not like here in Canada we can grow all of our food all year round so that's going to hurt everyone and then and then what happens if other countries retaliate with tariffs of their own which could hurt Canadian companies and can hurt Canadian workers so to me sounds like a bit
2: of a slippery slope yeah these border tariffs sound like a whole other mess so would be slapping tariffs on say fruit and vegetables coming into the country That makes things more expensive for Canadian families. And then when our Canadian farmers are trying to export, you know, our wheat, our beef, all kinds of other things, massive amounts of which are exported, we're basically telling those uh, governments, hey, why don't you go ahead and slap a tariff on the other way as well? We get hit coming and going. That doesn't sound like a big step forward. But not only is O'Toole talking about taxing us 10 ways from Tuesday, He's also talking about a truckload of spending. Break that down, Franco.
1: Yeah, well, let's start with some context here. I mean, we already have 1 trillion dollars worth of debt. That's 1 trillion with a T dollars worth of debt. Break that down. That's nearly $30,000 per Canadian in federal government debt. You know, we already have the Trudeau government spending hundreds of billions of dollars, but somehow O'Toole seems to think that the government isn't spending enough on the environment. So O'Toole is planning to throw a bunch of your money on new pet projects. You got like a billion dollars to make electric vehicles. You got like a billion dollars on hydrogen technology and cars. You got a billion dollars on small nuclear reactors. You got $5 billion on carbon capture. And you got like $3 billion on so-called natural climate solutions. So there's a billion going
2: here, a billion going there, a billion going everywhere. Yeah. After a while, you wonder why, uh, why any restraint at all? Why isn't it just like a million billion dollars everywhere? Like, that's almost what it feels like. They're just throwing money out without any regard to where that money actually comes from. But okay. So we've, there's a lot of criticism here. Let's just be honest about it. We've kind of been negative Nellies uh, throughout this. Any silver linings at all? Anything positive? Well, I mean, if you read through
1: a tools environment plan and you also listen to some of the stuff he's been saying, I mean, it seems like he clearly understands that Canada's energy sector must be part of the solution, right? We, we need to remember that we need the oil and gas industry to help us create jobs, help us get food on the table, but we also needed to generate the billions of dollars in government revenue. I mean, that's the, really the same message that we took across country in 2019 on our national pipeline tour, where we showed Canadians coast to coast, you know, the billions of dollars that we are losing through this pipeline deficit because you got politicians roadblocking development. Now also Aeronau Tools plan, it recognizes that Canada makes up less than 2% of global emissions, right? So whenever any Canadian politician talks about the environment, they also need to take a global view. But that said, If O'Toole understands that Canada makes up less than 2% of global emissions, he should also recognize that all his carbon tax is going to do is add more costs onto families while while achieving virtually nothing, virtually zip for the global environment.
2: Yeah, that global aspect is such an important part of it. I think you can make a real case for, you know, sending Canadian natural gas to India to offset some of their coal uh, electrical plants that could make a pretty big difference in the world. But making Canadians pay more for avocados and filling up your girlfriend's Honda Accord, I don't know, feels like a stretch to me. Listen, though, one of the really important things here is a fight is never over. It's never over. There's always more fight to fight. If you are out there and you disagree with Aaron O'Toole's stand, and in particular, if your member of parliament happens to be on the blue team, you should probably make a phone call. Let your member of parliament know what you think of Erno O'Toole flip-flopping on carbon taxes. It's time for Waste Watch. Uh, this is where we come back at the end and we talk about like the super dumb things that governments spend your money on. We got Chris Sims here from BC. Always strong contenders for this part of the show coming out of uh, out of BC. But this one, Simmer, you've got one that's the definition of wasteful spending.
3: I see what you did there. And warning to our listeners, we're going to do that a lot more. So anyone who doesn't like mom jokes and dad jokes, just skip ahead to the mailbag. Yes, it actually turns out that taxpayers have flushed more than $640,000 down the drain after the city of Vancouver installed a bathroom in a local city park. Now, listen, like...
2: You can have bathroom rentals go sideways, but six hundred grand to build a bathroom, a lot of people's whole house doesn't cost $600,000. But for more than half a million dollars, there better be some gold bullion in that particular toilet bowl. Like what is, uh, what is going on there?
3: Actually, there was a Trump Tower for a long time in Vancouver, uh, but it's a far away from Cooper's Park.
2: Wait, uh, What was the name of that park again? I feel like you really, you got to pronounce all the consonants really clearly in this one.
3: We're in a dangerous place. Cooper's Park with a C. Cooper's. Okay. Here's the crazy thing. It's actually not even a row of toilet stalls. So, this isn't a whole bunch of parking spots and fancy sinks. It's one toilet. Now, it's a super fancy toilet and it's somehow self cleaning, which sounds awesome. It's from the States. It's called, it's called Portland Loo. But here's the thing this same expensive single toilet unit cost about $140,000 for the city of Nelson to install. So the questions are swirling, where did the other 500,000 dollars go in Vancouver?
2: Yeah, that's so crazy. Listen, I got three sons. When we were kind of in that potty training stage, paying a little extra for uh for a self-cleaning toilet, I could see paying a little bit of a premium, but if you find out the guy down the street got it for 140,000 and you paid 640,000, somebody needs to shop around a little bit more somebody uh, the plumber took them for a bit of a ride on that particular install okay but let's let's ask the question though how in the world did it cost this much like how many miles of pipe did they have to put down This, this something's wrong with this
3: These are all great questions. They're the same ones that reporters were asking of Vancouver City Hall and they got no answers. So, so far we don't know, but uh, we have put forward a whole bunch of Freedom of Information requests to try to find out, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm not hopeful. We have to remember this is Yale Town. That's the neighborhood of Vancouver this is in. It's right under the Canby Street Bridge. It's one of the most expensive places in North America. And it is Vancouver. This is the same place that wants to build a toll wall around their downtown for cars. It's the same city hall that blew $300,000 on designer office furniture after they said they were broke. And keep in mind also, this really burnished Biffy is right next door to where they're planning to build a Disneyland of dog parks.
2: Yeah, you were telling me, this is like a little bit of a teaser on a future episode. I feel like you were telling me about this dog park. And listen, I'm pro dog. My dog, Stanley, is usually working in here with me. He's a pretty simple guy. You throw a stick for him into the creek and he gets to fish it out and maybe uh, stop by a fire hydrant on the (laughs) way home. He's good. I don't know. These Vancouver dogs, though, (laughs) they need like some kind of crazy expensive fancy park. I, I, I don't understand. How can the dogs have expensive tastes?
3: It really is. uh, It's almost a feat of science. Uh, My dog is happy with some dirt and some sticks too, but really leave it to Vancouver. Maybe the dogs are getting a fancy Portland loo too. And they're actually spending money. We don't know how much yet on different textures to go underneath the feet of these pampered pooches in this doggy Disneyland. So we filed all sorts of access to information requests on that. We're going to find out exactly what we're spending this money on. But really, why are they expecting Vancouver taxpayers to pay for permanent climbing installations for these dogs and pay $645,000 to install a single toilet when governments keep saying they're broke? You know, if rich people who live in those downtown condos want a fancy park for their dogs, go door knocking, raise the money that way.
2: Oh, yeah. Listen, people love their dogs. Some people are very, very happy to spend uh, money on them. But I don't I haven't heard anybody say oh, taxes are too low in Vancouver. I don't think that's a problem. That's not a saying. So I think maybe they've got an issue of priorities rather than uh, urgent needs that they need to be spending this kind of money on. Sounds kind of uh, rough for taxpayers there. And uh, listen, simmer, You're going to have to keep digging right to get to the bottom of this.
1: right folks that's the show thank you so much for tuning in today and as always a huge thank you to our investigative journalist and our podcast editor james wood who makes it sound like we kind of
0: know what we're talking about and please like share and subscribe to the podcast it really helps us get the word out
2: Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favour and do them a favour and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.